Thanks, Matt. I'm just going to rearrange myself slightly. Um, here we go. Yes, this was a logistical thing this morning. The earrings had to go because I couldn't manage new mic, face mask, earrings. Um, two around the back, and I've had a look online as well, so I've been able to see all the different faces popping up on Zoom. It's a privilege to look at the Word of God with you. Um, and um, I have to confess that we looked at this, we're looking at this sermon series, these encounters between um, when Jesus died and was resurrected, and then he goes into heaven. And we've been looking at these over the last few weeks, and I put together this sermon series, and, I, and my confession is I saved this story for myself. There was a moment when Matt T might have stolen it from me, um, but actually I really wanted to preach on this because I love this story. It tells us so much about how Jesus encounters us, how he encounters us in different ways, and how we encounter him. And so I hope that you might enjoy that as much as I do this morning, because I've been living in it for weeks now and just loving it. And um, after Jesus' death, the disciples are completely devastated, totally confused. Even though Jesus had been saying to them, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, this is going to happen, time and time again they were like, nah, it's not really going to happen. And even here in this story where they've been told that he is dead, and not only has he died, but he's also resurrected. They still don't quite believe. And these two particular disciples, and we don't know who, they're not the kind of inner circle. They're not the top 12. They're kind of just slightly outside of that. They are walking away from Jerusalem because this is so painful for them. So that's the kind of context of our story. And, and the Jews, if you remember, we had this, this all the way through the Old Testament where you've got that God is meeting certain people in certain places. And so the Jew, um, God met the Jews in the tabernacle and he met them in the temple and he met them through specific kings and through specific prophets. And then there's this moment where God comes and meets people through the person, his son, Jesus. And his followers gather around him and they're just loving it and they start over these weeks and months of his ministry to be like, yes, this is the son of God. This is the Messiah. This is God with us. And they start to have all these kind of ideas about what's going to happen and how Jesus is going to free them because they've been promised throughout the scriptures that Jesus, this Messiah, was going to come and was going to free them. And their assumption was he was going to just free them. And we know because we know the full breadth of scripture that actually Jesus was coming for all of us. He wasn't just coming for the Jews. But in this moment, we have these followers, these close friends of Jesus who are devastated because their belief of being um, just freed by Jesus, died on the cross with him. And they're working through this kind of sense of like, what is going on? Because God hasn't come through in the way that we thought he would. And um, sorry, we have this almost like it's a preparation moment where Jesus is like, he's coming and then he's going. He's coming and he's going. He's coming and he's going. And we've had this over these last few weeks where Jesus just turns up really randomly, says a few things and disappears. And on one hand, it feels a little bit cruel. On the other hand, it feels a bit playful. But we have this here. We have this in this story where Jesus turns up and they don't even recognize him. And I think it's Jesus preparing them. I think it's Jesus saying to them, I am here with you. I will always be with you. As he says to them when he goes back up into heaven, I will always be with you. But I'm going to be with you in a different way. You've seen me in person, living, breathing, eating, healing, dying. A proper death. You've seen me in that way. But actually, I'm going to come and be with you in a different way. I'm going to come and be with you, inside you, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is preparing them for Pentecost, which we celebrate in a few weeks. It's that moment where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the early church. And he's preparing them for that moment because he's saying, I'm with you, 
but I'm not with you. I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. And he promised them this in John 14, those lovely passages um, where he's talking to them right before he died. They don't know he's going to die. He knows. And he says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I think this is actually something that we still struggle with as humans. We're very embodied people. And we really want to have Jesus sat right next to us. Not this kind of like idea that Jesus is with us. We want him sat with us. We want a physical hug. We want kind of, we want more of that. And I think what I'd love for us in this series, particularly around us, is this sense of like, what does it look like to encounter Jesus? What does it look like? It looks different from what we expect sometimes. It looks sometimes a bit difficult. It looks as John said when he preached to us a few weeks ago, where we, yeah, we don't always know that he's there, but he is. And I feel like this is the last kind of piece in that jigsaw as we look at it. And I'm just going to walk us through this story because I feel like the story says so much just in and of itself. Um, but I want us to look out for four ways that I'm just going to just pull out that we encounter Jesus. Firstly, we encounter Jesus in our pain. Secondly, we encounter Jesus in the scriptures. Thirdly, we encounter Jesus in the ordinary, day-to-day, walking, talking, living, breathing, eating. And fourthly, we encounter Jesus in communion. And so I feel like all of those things, so just listen out for them as we walk through the story again. I'm wondering if you want to get your phones, if you've got your Bibles. We haven't got Bibles at the moment. We can't have them because of COVID things. Um, If you're at home, you can grab your Bible. If you want to look online, I'm going to just kind of walk us through the story a little bit. I'm hoping um, this is a bit cruel on Mark. He might be able to bring up some of the verses on the screen as I read them out. I did try and give him a heads up right in the middle of the worship. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) So I need to slow down. I'm a little bit nervous. This always happens, and I'll get into my pace. This is what Olivia told me yesterday. I was running it through with her. Thanks, Livs. Now, that same day. So this is the same day that Jesus rises from the dead. The, 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 The women have gone to the tomb... They expect to find his body and to wrap it up nicely. He's not there. Um, they, and the, the angel says, that, love, that beautiful line, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus told you he wouldn't be here, and he wasn't. And, and they go back to the disciples. The disciples don't believe him. Peter runs along. They still don't kind of really know what's going on. And these particular two disciples, that same day, go, right, I've, I don't understand. We're going to go out of Jerusalem. That same day, two of us were walking to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. So that's the equivalent, it's about a two-hour walk, the equivalent of us kind of walking out to Hadley Wood, thinking about it across London, maybe about Greenwich sort of way. It's a good walk, but that's the way that you travelled those days, unless you haven't got a horse with you or a donkey. And they're having this conversation as they're walking. I love it, just conversations as we're walking. How much of that have we done recently? Even when we'd rather not, because that's the way we've been able to see people. And also it's just a little bit warmer than sitting outside. And they were talking to each other, about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Love this. Jesus already knows that they're discussing. He knows the full details. He wants to hear what they want to say. He asks them questions. He wants to be invited into this conversation with them, and they invite him in. But first of all, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? So this wasn't just something that affected Jesus. It wasn't just something that affected his disciples. This was something that the whole of Jerusalem, Jerusalem's a massive city, everybody knew about. 
there is this assumption from them that every person that's walking out of Jerusalem that day will know of what's going on. They're so shocked by this ridiculous question, they stop in their paces. They literally stop still. How many times have we been walking when someone asks you something so you know, tricky? You kind of go, really? That's the kind of question Jesus is asking them. And he carries on. He's still asking them questions. What things? He asked. Again, he knows. He wants to hear what they have to say. And this is where they start to pour out all this pain, all this confusion, all this sense of what is going on. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And here's his pain. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more... And this is where they're getting confused. It's the third day since all this took place. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this morning, didn't find his body, came and told us they'd seen this vision of angels and said he was alive. Then some of our companions who also didn't believe the women went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, this is when Jesus responds, and I love this, it's a little bit, bit of a rebuke. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained what was said in scriptures concerning himself. Wow, that is a Bible study I would love to have been in. Two hours walking with Jesus, explaining all the tricky bits of the Old Testament that we don't get our heads around. I'm reading through Joshua at the moment. That stuff is hard. I mean, let's just be honest about it. There's a lot in the Bible that is confusing and is difficult. And they've got kind of almost a completely wrong end of the stick. They've been reading all these kind of bits in the Bible that talk about this messianic person that's going to kind of come in and lead the way and save them all. And that was true. But they forgot passages like Isaiah 53 that talk about the suffering that the Messiah will have to go through. They've overlooked these parts, and Jesus is saying, come on, look at the whole of scriptures. Live in this narrative, look at it, look what's really going on here. And he just gently also, he kind of rebukes them, but he also just walks them through the scriptures. I would love to have been there for those two hours. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. I love this. He's kind of, again, it's a little bit playful. He's kind of like, oh, I'm I'm heading on. And they're like, and maybe this is Jewish hospitality. Kind of was the thing to do to be like, actually, it's dark now. Um, This person's probably hungry. It was very unsafe on the roads. Um, However unsafe you might think it is in Finsley Park at at night, it was really unsafe at those times. You're walking out in the dark. So they sort of say to him, you know, come and stay with us. They urge him. But I, think, I don't think it was just hospitality. I think they were just eating his words. They had this moment as he was revealing the scriptures. Where it says later, it said, their hearts were burning within them. Something is going on. They are encountering Jesus, even though they don't know it. And I think, um, I have sometimes have this, I don't know if anyone else does, where I'm having a conversation with people. It's not often like a moment of like deep, intense prayer or anything, but something of the kingdom of God is being talked about. Something of where I know that God is at work is being talked about. And something, and I feel the sense of the Holy Spirit. I actually get goosebumps all over me. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's, you know, but it's just that sense. And they have this sense of like something's going on here. We really need to keep hearing from this guy. We're not just going to be hospitable because that's the done thing. We're going to invite him in because we want more. And when he was at, um, so they say, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. 
So he went in to stay with them. Again, it's that Jesus accepting their hospitality. Jesus never pushes himself on them. He doesn't say, you know what, you still haven't really got it yet, have you? You haven't recognized me. I'm going to have to come in and do the whole Lord's Supper all over again. He doesn't say that to them. He says, I'm, I'm heading on. And they're going, come on, you know. And it's like, okay, all right then. Yeah, we'll carry on. So when he was at the table with them, and this is where Luke starts to use the same language that he uses earlier on when he's talking about the, the Last Supper. Only a few pages before, just before Jesus died, he's using the same language to sort of remind us that this is what Jesus did right before he died. He knew he was going to die, the disciples didn't. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures with us? And then they have that moment, they're like, yeah, we saw Jesus in that moment when he was talking about the scriptures. We've seen him now. We know it was him. So these guys have had like a pretty traumatic weekend. They've lost their best friend. Now they've had this confusion. Now they've had this revelation. They are tired. They're confused. They're hungry. They're, it's, it's dark. It's cold. It's not safe. They immediately go walk two hours back to Jerusalem, where they probably should have been in the first place, and did what the other disciples did when they found that Jesus was indeed alive, found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon, and the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And so as I was saying, I just feel like this, this story, it, it has all these kind of like strings of, of how we encounter God. Jesus first encounters them in a moment of deep pain. And I do believe that moments of pain are a moment where we, can, we have a choice. We always have a choice. We can either say, you know what, the tension I'm holding in this moment, where I'm in really horrible pain, disillusionment, confusion, upset, whatever it is that's caused that, and I cannot believe... I can't be with you, God. I can't, I can't hold the, your goodness and your, your all-powerfulness, your omnipotence, and still be in this pain. I've got to run from you. I've, I've got to just turn my back. I've got to just walk away. Or, and I had this moment on Friday morning, and this is why I was like, really? I don't want to be speaking on this on Sunday morning. It feels a little bit raw. Um, and, but I, I have it, I've had it throughout my life, so I know that this is a, a reoccurring pattern. Um, in particular, the one I was going to reference was um, when my brother died very suddenly in a car crash just before his 18th birthday. Devastating. But there is this moment in our pain where we can still choose to feel this is truly awful, where we can still feel the, the depth of the sadness, where we can even be seriously angry at God, where we can be questioning, where we can be begging. I, I spent the first, like, 10 minutes walking back to my house knowing this was a break, knowing I was going to only just like, please, Jesus, I can't face the, the fracture. And, um, and so this just particular fracture is quite painful for me because um, I'm, I've been training for quite a long time. It's been keeping me going in lockdown for a triathlon, which I've been really excited about doing. Anyone else knows I've been boring them silly with my, you know, just kind of what I've been doing for that. And um, that was due next Saturday. But not only for me this is difficult because every year for 15 years I've fractured because I have kind of low bone density. So my, what other people might be like a fall and a bit of a, you know, bit of a bruise for me is, is a fracture. So this is just the kind of reoccurring. I go into fracture clinic and they're all like, oh, hello, Mrs. Daines. They get out the big file. Honestly, it's like twice the size of the, all the old people who are in there 
who also had this low bone density. And also, I go in there a few times with my kids, Ben was the last one. But, um, and all these things, yeah, I just spent the whole of Friday morning feeling like begging, feeling cross, feeling very sad, like proper snotting, crying into the kind of face mask, quite glad, kind of tormenting, thinking if I'd have had my dog collar on with people have felt more sorry for me, less sorry. Either way, I was just able to be myself, very sad nanny for the majority of the morning. And, but I, but I that sense of like, I just, I, I do want to bring that pain to God. And I do want to allow him to minister to me. And I also want to continue to pray for healing for my bone density, that that would increase, which actually the last scan showed that it was increasing. Here I am again, have <laughs> And I'm living in that tension. And I'm not saying that tension is not easy to hold. And I'm not saying that, like, uh, you know, repetitive broken bones is, is anything compared to what some people will now have been or will continue to feel the pain of but I just want to have this moment where I just stand up the front and say actually there is a moment where we can encounter God in our pain and we can bring the kind of however desperate it feels we can bring the anger we can bring the frustration we can bring the begging prayers we can bring all that stuff to God and just say please encounter me please come and be with me and I have testimony to that um, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do this this morning because I'd still be sobbing from Friday. But um, yeah, so I just want to say we can encounter God in our pain. Whatever pain you might be carrying, whatever pain you have in the future, that is a moment where we can choose to encounter God. It doesn't make it easy, but we can encounter God in our pain. And, and the second way, the one that, that feels really relevant in this one here, is where we encounter God in Scripture. It's really interesting. They talk about this sense of like our hearts burning within us and we're desperate to stay with Jesus later on into the evening because they encounter him in scripture. And they thought they knew their scripture as well. And he says, come on, there is so much more to know in scripture. There is so much here. And, and God says this is the one, one of the ways that he reveals himself to us. It's not easy to read. It is a bit of a discipline. I have to be honest, I spent, I've had quite a few years where I just carried on having quiet times, really being like, my prayer was just like, please just help me to enjoy the Bible. I just find some of this stuff like completely bewildering and difficult. And somehow that discipline of just every single day, just trying to just read something of scripture and trying to encounter God through that, God has encountered me afresh every time. Maybe not every time, actually. There's plenty of times when I don't know, oh my goodness, don't get that one either. But there are so, there's so much um, kind of out there that were ways of helping us to encounter scripture. And I think I'm, I'm just personally loving Bible in a year. I just popped David Sushi on. He reads the passage to me. Leaky Gumbel does a little kind of um, thing on it. But it's, if I listen to it, I find that easier than reading. Um, Pete Gregg and 24-7 Prayer have done a three, Lectio 365, that app. It's also amazing. Um, or can I just encourage you, like, just don't, just don't leave it just for Sundays or for Hub. Just find somewhere in your week to, like, you know, just pick up a gospel and just read a little bit every day and just say to God, what are you saying to me through scripture? Because there's so much that comes at us. We read so much social media. We read so much news. We hear so much news. We, we watch so much stuff. And if we're not encountering God in scripture, if we're not living in the narrative of truth, that other stuff is just going to bounce us around all the time. It's just going to bounce us between one fad and one news cycle and one thing to another. So, um, yeah, that's my kind of... I know I always bring this up pretty much every sermon, but I can't help myself because it's just been so profound in my life and many others. That's the encountering God in Scripture today. Um, this is another one I'm passionate about. Let's encounter God in the ordinary. I just feel like Jesus doesn't have this. Like He doesn't kind of just go, boom, I'm here, and I'm going to just explain it all to you. He, he walks alongside them, and, and he walks at their pace, 
And he asks some questions. And when they ask him one back, he says, well, you know, and he talks to them and he eats with them. And he just does the stuff of life with them. And that's what Jesus did when he was alive. And this is what he does in this kind of in-between stage before he goes back up to heaven. And I believe that he does that today. And can I encourage you, in those moments when you're walking along, when you're sitting at your desk, before you get out of bed, just to be like, Jesus, you know, what do you have for me today? What are you doing today? Can I tell you about this? Just, just be in sort of knowing that we can encounter God in the day-to-day, in the every, in the kind of ordinary moments. For me, it's walking. I find prayer really difficult just sat at home. I, I can't, you know, it's not that easy, but walking, yeah, it's much easier. Just imagine that Jesus was walking with me and I just kind of ask him some of that stuff. And often I'm thinking, well, I still haven't heard anything particular, but I keep going at it. <laughs> and sometimes Jesus would just have that one word or that one picture or that often it's one person who I need to leave a message with because I, God's put them on my heart. And that was important for them today. So yeah, in the order of me, and I'm, I'm coming into land now, and I feel that the, the reason I most love this passage, and it, it says it twice, it says two beautiful verses, it says they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And this is something that I'm kind of like really thinking through at the moment because I'm nearly, I'm priest in the Church of England, which is the moment when you can choose to do communion. I'm really hoping I'll have two working limbs by them to be able to do it. Um, But until then, John's kindly come and said that he would lead us in communion as a way of like just leading naturally from this passage. And communion is, I mean, on one hand, it's a very bizarre thing. We're kind of like, remembering somebody dying in a very brutal way over 2,000 years ago. And, and wine being blood and bread being body. It's, it, you know, on one hand, there's, there's so many different layers to it. And yet, actually, it's one of those things that we do that's very embodied. Because we're, we're physical people. And so in a moment when we can take bread or crackers if you're at home or whatever else you've got in the cupboard, um, and, or a wafer, um, and, and when we, and we can, you know... We're not able to take the wine here, sadly, it's COVID restrictions, but if you're at home, you can take some juice or water, whatever. But we, in that moment, we are remembering that key moment of our faith, this key claim of Christianity, that we have a God who not only suffered for us, but he also suffers with us. So coming back to that point about pain, it's that sense of like we enter into this moment of suffering. We just have an embodied moment where we just stop and we just think, Wow, you, Jesus, you did that. Even if there was only one of me, you would have died for me. That you died that horrible death so that I can be free and I can know God. And we have that moment where we remember it corporately as a church. And I have to say, like, um, oh, yeah, I've got someone who I prayer walk with. who kind of taught me to prayer walk. And she sees visions. I, I don't, but she, she does. And she says every time she watches people take communion, she has this picture of them being, like, clothed in white and clothed in white. just beautiful sorry it's funny I can talk about the elbow but not this I mean the wrist but not this but yeah I think it's because I just feel so passionately about it I think sometimes we forget what we're doing and I think um, yeah there's this wonderful passage where not only does Jesus say do this in remembrance of me but he also says I am recognized by you I encounter you um, in the bread and in the wine, and we're going to do that today. And I think I, I, I don't know, I don't want to over-spiritualize it. Sometimes we have this like amazing, very tangible, physical encounter, and sometimes we just trust that God is doing something supernatural in that moment, because it says in Scripture that he is. So I just want to kind of want to lead it and hand over to John. Thank you, John. Um, and just say, yeah, this week, I'm going to 
put the four things at you. <laughs> um, just, I just want to encourage you, if you, you, know, you have any pain that you want to bring to the cross this morning, this is the place for that. Um, and you know, if you want to pick up your Bible at some point this week and just ask God, how can I encounter you in that today? And when you're walking along, and when you get out of bed, and when you sit down to eat, just remember that Jesus is sat there with you. And in this moment we have together now, just to encounter him afresh through communion, let's take that opportunity. Amen.